Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's message with teaching pastor Daryl Feemster. If you have your Bibles, let me invite you to turn to Luke chapter 9, and we'll get there in a minute. Luke chapter 9. You know, as I remember as a young preacher boy, I remember one of the first things that I ever heard that I really understood to be God in my heart was that, Daryl, there's going to come a day when the only way you're going to make it is by faith. And, you know, I've went through a lot of things in in the years of ministry, but uh, I tell you, it seems like today our faith is being tested more today than probably any other time in my lifetime anyway. And uh, I just want to encourage you. Uh, <clears throat> Jesus is Lord. No, I don't mean He will be. Jesus is Lord. I don't care what it looks like in the world right now. Jesus is Lord. He's the Alpha and the Omega. And uh, there's coming a day. Today may be that day when Jesus is the only thing we have that can get us through. And uh, He's faithful. He's faithful. We've been looking at following Jesus in John chapter 10, verse 27. It says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Of all the commands of Jesus, this may be the most important of all because it's an invitation for us to walk with Him in life. To follow, is the Greek word is akalutheo, and it means to accompany or to walk with or to be in the same way with. I'm living proof that sometimes to be in the same way with Jesus doesn't always identify my life. Uh, I, can, I can vouch for it. There's, there's been times that I've veered right and left and in and out and over and under and all of those things. But what I'm trying to say is, usually I don't have a problem with God's way until it gets in my way. You understand what I'm saying? Anybody identify that? In other words, I want to walk in Jesus' way. I want to walk in Jesus' way until it's not the way I'm going. And then I tend to have something. and I tend to have a wake-up call. And sometimes I really believe in our day we're getting a wake-up call from God. You are going to have to follow me. I'm not talking about following what you used to do. I'm not talking about following what you think about. I'm not talking about following what those teachings. I'm talking about following me. Now's the time. If you don't know Jesus, now's the time to get to know Him. Because I guarantee you, as long as He uh, holds back His coming, which may not be long, the only hope for this generation is Jesus Christ. Now, that's true of every generation, but the only hope for this generation is Jesus Christ. Have you realized how we have the best intentions of following Him, but tend to second-guess, tend to have other options? You know, this Christianity thing is hard. 
And it's fine for someday, for eternity out there, but, but right now life is tough and it's just hard enough just to survive and then you add all this Jesus stuff to it, preacher, and it seems a little much. I find that I have a lot of competition in my life with, instead of Jesus, with Jesus. In other words, there's competitors there. How about you? Do you ever have competition with your faithfulness to Jesus? With your walk? I also find it's real easy for me to make excuses about why I did this or I didn't do that. But here's the thing. It doesn't make me weird. It makes me biblical. Because other people had the same problems. In Luke chapter 9, we have the account of Jesus encountering three people who had the best intentions of following Him. I want you to look at Luke chapter 9, verse 57. Luke 9, 57. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Verse 59. Then another said to him, Follow, and then Jesus, then he said to another, excuse me, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now the context of this, these verses at the end of chapter 9, in verse 30, uh, 30, 51, excuse me, Jesus said, It says that it came to pass that when the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. In other words, Jesus knew exactly where he was headed, and he knew what was waiting him. And he set his face to that. Everything else was going to cower into shadow because he had set his face on what the Father had given him to do. And these three encounters are in the context of Jesus understanding what He was about to go through. Everything else that He was going to be going into and through was going to lead Him to the center of the Father's will and it held a cross. And these three encounters, these three would-be followers with the best intentions come up in the story. I want to use three words this morning. Wherever, whenever, and whatever. I want to show you how they fit. Luke chapter 9, verse 57. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. It sounds like a commitment to me. Matthew tells us in Matthew chapter 8 that this man was a scribe, a teacher of the law of Moses. He knew what that meant. He knew what it meant to follow. You know, in the time of Jesus, they were called Talmuds. And they were, they were disciples of, of a rabbi, or they were followers of a rabbi. And they would leave their homes, their jobs, and they would follow the rabbi literally wherever he went. Wherever. 
That wasn't just a word of, uh, of expressive a commitment, but it became a way of life. If the rabbi went to the market, they would go to the market. If he went to another town, they were with him to another town. To the synagogue, they were with him to the synagogue. When the rabbi slept, they better sleep. When the rabbi ate, they ate. You get the picture that their whole life was caught up in the rabbi. There, in fact, was a Jewish saying for those that followed the rabbi was, May you be covered in his dust. In other words, it was a way of life, not just a commitment. And Jesus says to this guy that says, I'll follow you wherever. He says to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. I get the idea that Jesus kind of turns to this man and with a bit of a smile, he says, you do know I'm homeless, don't you? I've got nowhere to go but my father's house. It's not here. I find it it's much easier to talk about following Jesus when you make general statements without any specifics connected. Jesus was messing with this guy's specifics, with his comfort zone. He probably, this scribe probably had money, he probably had a house, he probably had commitments... But he liked what Jesus was preaching and teaching, and he liked what he saw, and he wanted to be in on the new. In other words, he wanted to be part of the parade, but he didn't want, he didn't want boot camp. You know, I want to march, but I don't want to get ready. In other words, Jesus, I'll follow you wherever, but not there. I found in my life as I was growing up, I've treated Jesus more of a consultant than a master. A consultant is someone whose wisdom I value and listen to, but at the end of the day, I make the final decision. A consultant. Jesus, what do you think? And Jesus tells you what he thinks, and you think, well, that's not what I think. Jesus, what do you want? Yeah, but that's not what I want. I'll follow you wherever, but not there. You know, the trouble is, Jesus doesn't do consulting. Never has, never will. He does God. He does Lord. He does boss. He does master. And you've got to understand... That when I treat him like a consultant, he just stops showing up for the meetings. Jesus wants followers who will say, yes, Lord, before they know what the question is. Nobody does that, do they? Well, some did. Luke 5, 27, it says, After these things, Jesus went out and he saw a tax collector named Levi, which we know as Matthew sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So he left all, rose up, and followed him. Then Levi gave him a great feast in his own house, and there was a great number of tax collectors and others who sat down with them. In other words, Matthew was probably a rich man. He was hated by the community. He had his own house, and he left it all. He walked away from the comfortable and the predictable to follow Jesus wherever. Following Jesus sometimes confronts the places we find comfortable and predictable.
wherever, but not there. Look at verse 59. We're talking about whenever. Then he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus uses the same words that he had used with the twelve apostles. Follow me. It makes you wonder, but this guy, he he gives options. It makes you wonder, did, did Jesus, I know Jesus chose twelve, but I wonder if there were others that Jesus said to follow me that didn't follow. Scripture seems to indicate there were. Jesus gives the same call, the same invitation, but this guy says, let me first go and bury my father. Oh, wait a minute, I left out a word. If you read the Scripture, it says, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Lord means master, boss. In other words, Lord, let me do something else first. He knew what Jesus was asking of him. But the next word out of his mouth was, first let me. In other words, I intend to follow, but something else is first. Let me bury my father. And that seems reasonable to me. He wants to have a funeral for his father. And uh, Jesus says, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. That seemed kind of rather harsh. And so I... I began to study this out a little more, and there is an indication in my study I found that this guy's dad probably wasn't dead, wasn't dying, wasn't even near death or burial. For the Jew to take care of family was their first responsibility. It was so important. It was honor your father and mother because it was the, it was the commandment with promise. And it could be that this guy's, not, this guy's dad wasn't even close to death, He was not only still living, but he could have been in good health. This guy might have wanted to do the honorable thing for the family, be under his family and father's authority until his father's death. And then after his father died and was buried, then he would come and follow Jesus. But what got me was, is I found out that even at the funeral, even if his father was dying, that what this meant was that not only did he bury his father, but he waited for the year for the flesh to decompose so that he could gather the bones of his father and to put in a box where it would be the final burial. So at least, even if his father was dying, it would be another year before he would come follow Jesus. You you understand that what the guy was saying is, let me take care of everything I've got to take care of, and then I will follow you. Whenever. Whenever. Why did Jesus respond so hard? In other words, what the guy was saying was, Lord, I'll follow you, but not now. I intend to, but it's just not good timing. He's not saying no, he's just saying not right now. I have the best intentions to follow you. You know, we don't feel convicted at all about not following Jesus because in our minds we know that one day we will. We don't tell Jesus no, we just say not right now. And had I been Jesus, and this is what I'm being really honest, had I been Jesus, this is how I would respond, because I've responded to many of you this way. Okay, I understand. You'll know when the time is right. Whenever you're ready, 
I'll be here, waiting right here. Jesus didn't say that. He said, let the dead bury the dead. I love how the message puts it. Verse 60 in the message translation says, Jesus refused. First things first, your business is life, not death. And life is urgent. Announce the kingdom of God. In other words, Jesus, remember, He has set His face to go to Jerusalem. He knows what the kingdom is now. Now's not the time to get caught up in business. Not the time to get caught up in family. This is the time when the kingdom of God is at hand. You better give it your attention. Do you feel that in our atmosphere now? The generation we're living in, God is always saying, yeah, you've been able to play with it here, and you've been able to play with it, but it's getting serious about following Jesus. It's amazing, isn't it, what we're going to do someday? Or even tomorrow. I'm going to get up early tomorrow and start exercising like I know I need to. Connie, I'm not. (laughs) I'm going to start really getting serious about Jesus tomorrow. Some people have been telling Jesus all their lives, when I get this done, then I'll follow you. When I graduate from high school, I will get serious. When I graduate from college, I'll get serious. When I get married and have a family, I'm going to make sure my family's brought up to knowing Jesus and walking in His ways. Lord, if I get my business off the ground, then I'll follow you and I'll be faithful to you. Lord, when my retirement is settled, I'll serve you. Someday. Tomorrow. It's a funny thing, but the only language of the Holy Spirit is today. Today. Now is the time. Today. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, He's not talking about yesterday, and He's not talking about tomorrow. He's talking about the walk with Him today. Today, if you'll hear my voice. Today. We lose a lot in the land of tomorrow. So let me give you a principle. I really believe it's a principle. Your current habits are the most likely predictor of your future practices. Your current routine is the most likely indicator of your, you, your routine in the future. The only way to change your future is today change your habits. Your routine, how you've been living, how you've been spending, how you've been giving, how, when I'm talking about giving your time, giving your life, giving, how you've been living, your routine is an indicator of your future. The only way to change your future, to change your someday, is to make a decision to change it today. New habits. New thoughts. New routine.
whenever. Wherever, whenever. And I don't know if it's still going around youth, but my kids used to say, whatever. Whatever. Luke 9.61, another said also, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. First. There's that word again. He wants to go say goodbye to his family and friends, and it seems reasonable enough. Does Jesus not want him to go and even say goodbye to mom and dad? As I studied this, I found out that the let me go, let me go is a different word that was than the first let me go first bury my... It's a different word. The word here means release me. The indication was that this guy had been following Jesus and he's asking for release to go back to bid farewell to take care of family business. In other words, Lord, I've been following. Would you release me to check this out? I identify here. The guy's probably been with Jesus' company and looking back at what he had left, he begins to look to look to go back and to say his goodbyes being translated, I'm homesick. I miss what I used to know. I Lord, honestly I'm having regrets because things haven't gone the way I thought. When things get tough and, and expectations are not panning out the risk seems to outweigh the desired results. Jesus is headed for Jerusalem now. I've heard you talk, Jesus. I, I love the miracles and I love the teaching, and but Lord, I miss, I miss what I had. I miss who I had. It seemed easier before. It's getting hard, God. Let me give you another principle. Second thoughts make you take second looks. When you begin to take doubts and begin to run them through the mill of conversation, when you begin to take regrets and you can't see the future. It makes you start to take second looks at what you had or what you left or what you could be. Let me go back home and settle it once for all. Look at Jesus' answer, verse 62. But Jesus said to him, No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Jesus uses a farming illustration that I'm very familiar with. In other words, you can't make straight rows looking back. My daddy taught me a long time ago, in other words, if you're going to lay out the field, son, you've got to pick out a spot on the other end and you've got to head toward it. You can't look to the left or the right. You can't be daydreaming. He said that a lot to me. You can't be daydreaming. You got to pick you out, and when you get down there and you turn around, you make sure you're straight, straight, and you pick you out the spot, and you head back to that one. And the whole day was picking out spots, plowing, laying out the field. 
And here's the thing that you discover also, you can't look back and see how good a job you're doing. You can't look at your results. You've got to hold your eye on where you're headed. Or else you will screw everything up. And I am a screw up in farming. I was in the field saying, Lord, call me. Call me. You've got to set your focus beyond you. Folks, today, now is the time not to be focusing on what's going on, but to focus on who said what. When I say that, focus on what God has said, what God has promised. You focus on now, and you'll be overwhelmed. You focus on Him, and you'll be encouraged, no matter what it looks like. You've got to focus. Focus on Him who you are following. There's a great story in the Old Testament, 1 Kings 19. Elijah is God's prophet, and he's told to go and select Elisha as his successor. And he finds Elisha in a field plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. Now, I don't know if he had one plow and 12 yoke of oxen. That'd be a, that'd be a big, hard hold, wouldn't it? Or if he had two oxen on 12 plows. Here's the thing. He had a big farm. And he had a lot of wealth. He had 24 oxen yoked to a plow. And Elijah comes and tells him God is giving him an invitation to be his prophet and to follow him. It's an amazing thing that Elisha does. Elisha takes his plows and he makes a pile out of them, breaks them apart, and sets them on fire. He takes the 24 oxen and has a community barbecue. What he's saying is, I'm not coming back. I know where I'm going. This is not holding me anymore. And you remember Elijah said, well, if you're with me, when, I t- when I'm taken up, you'll get a double portion. Elisha was like a tick on a dog. Everywhere Elijah went, Elisha went. Elijah would even try to tell him to go somewhere else. And Elisha said, I ain't going. I'm sticking with you. I am going to get everything God has promised me. He could, take, he could give it all away because he had his eye on something that was so much better than 24 oxen and plows and land. He had a hope that was beyond what he had. His full attention was now on the God who called him. Do you realize that these three responses to Jesus dealt with what was first in their lives? The last two actually used the word. And that's the whole issue of following Jesus. That's, you know, we can have the best intention. But let me tell you, you really give your attention to what's most important to you. Matthew 6.33, we've all heard it. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And that sounds like futuristic hope, but I'll tell you, it's the right now word. 
sounds demanding, and it can be if you don't understand the reality and the benefits of Jesus being first. The word first, I know you, you would want to know this, Greek, proton. It's proton. It means not just first, it means foremost, chief, first principle. So let me, let me explain. It's not first in line like Jesus wins the race in your heart. It's not first in number. It's not first in, in results. It's first in thought. It's first in living. It's chief. It's, a, it's the first principle that you consider. It's the first thing about who you are. It's the foremost. It's the chief. It's the essential. If, if Jesus is essential, in other words, put Him first, He's chief in your thinking, in your living, in your life. I love the message of this 633. Verse 33, it says, Seek or steep your life in God reality. And I had to look up that word steep because when I think of steep, I think of the hill I'm fixing to climb. That's steep. But this word steep is when you take tea, a tea bag, and you steep it in boiling water. You steep it. In other words, you soak it to get all the flavor and the nutrients and everything out of the tea bag for which you're preparing for. In other words, you steep it. In other words, soak your life in God reality. God initiative. God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. Here's the promise of God. When Jesus is foremost, He makes sure everything else in your life comes into place and into provision for the need, even if it's trouble. When Jesus is foremost, you find out He's right, He's the way, He is the truth, He is real, and He is the life. been using Connie in, uh, in this series, our relationship, and uh, I won't embarrass her, but when I, when I married Connie, she had just graduated from high school. She was 18 years old, beautiful, and her whole life was ahead of her. And she said yes to me. Miracles still happen. A couple of months after we were married, we moved to a college town where I was following Jesus to be educated, to preach, and to pastor. She leaves everything she had ever known to be with me. She adjusted her whole life to adapt to me. God had called her, but she chose to follow. It's in Plainview where I was going to school. Connie and I both were going to school. Stacy's born. And after two years, I graduate and I move her to a cold, drafty old parsonage in a farming community to a, to a little bitty church. The first Sunday that I was uh, preached at that church, there were seven in attendance. Two or three gathered together. And he was in our midst. And Connie followed me. 
We can tell you stories. I pastored that small congregation. I worked other side jobs to try to provide, and she was right alongside with me. We don't know how Stacy survived. Two new parents. And then I had an opportunity to teach school. I became a county co-op teacher. I'd teach at one school in the morning, and then I'd drive during my lunch hour and teach in another school at the afternoon. And God led us to move churches again. And now another parsonage, another place, new faces, new places, and Connie follows. This time, Shelly's added to the family. And after one year, I think it's just, just about one year, I move her from everything she has ever known. We were still in the same area that we had grown up in. And I moved her from the familiar again to another church hundreds of miles away. New faces, new places, now new challenges. And she follows loving me, loving Jesus, and loving her family. We, as you could expect, had very little in the way of the world. But God was growing us up in Him and with each other. Years pass, kids grow. The place that we were pastoring becomes home. And when Shelley was in the fourth grade and Stacy was, had just been elected cheerleader in the seventh grade, I felt the call of God to come to New Covenant Lampasas. Now it wasn't just Connie. It was the girls. I'll never forget what uh, Stacy said to us as we set the girls down and we believed that God was leading us here. And, and the girls... Stacy, we were concerned because she had just been elected cheerleader and she had not even got to cheer or go to camp or do anything. And Stacy just looked at us and she said, Well, I can try out there. The whole family just stepped in to follow. Follow me. To walk in the way with me. It wasn't just Connie, it was family. That was 34 years ago this week. And we're still... Well, that's not why I said it. What I wanted to say is this. We're still walking in the same way. If God set us to go, told us to go wherever, whenever, whatever, we're going to follow Him. Now, I'm not leaving as far as I know. But here's what I'm trying to tell you is it's getting better and better, and better. I'm learning more about Jesus, and we're, we're discovering more about Him than we've ever known before. And that's after 48 years. I keep getting asked around town, how are you enjoying retirement? I'm saying, great. I'm still working. I think the best is yet to be. Now, why am I saying all of this? Because I'm asking you this morning, do you think it's worth it to follow Jesus? Peter asked Jesus the same thing. Mark chapter 10, verse 28 through 30. Peter began to speak up and he said, Lord, we've given up everything to follow you. And he said, yes. Jesus replied, and I assure you that everyone who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the good news will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property. Now note this, along with persecution. 
God never pulls the punch. It's not about what you're going to get out of it. It's about following Jesus and He's saying it will be better to follow me than anything else no matter what. No matter what. And then in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. Folks, listen to me. Good intentions don't get it with following Jesus. Following Jesus is not a good option. It's the only way, the only truth, the only life, and it's life itself. I can say with absolute confidence, you won't miss out by putting Him first, wherever, whenever, whatever. Following Jesus is worth it. I want you to bow your heads with me. I don't want you to think about what's past. I don't want you to think about what's future. I want you to look inside. Let me just ask you a question. Are you following Jesus or do you just have good intentions? Is He foremost in your life? In other words, do you consider Him before you make a decision, do you consider Him before you make a step to plan your day? Is this just good information or is He the Master and what gives meaning to your life? I don't know where you're at today, but I can tell you this, that today you can start a new routine. Today you can choose to say yes to Jesus. You can choose to say, I will follow you wherever, whatever, whenever. You can choose it. You can find that He really is here and now. And He really will do what He says. I'm not saying everything will turn out the way you thought. I say it will turn out the way God intends. And it will be the very best for you. Do you know Him? Have you ever really given Jesus? Is He just a consultant that you go to when you have a problem? Or is He the master of your universe? If you don't know Him, you can ask Him today. Lord, would you come be Lord of my life? That means that you took care of my sin on the cross. You took care of my problems in life. You'll take care of my future. I'm going to trust you. I say yes to you. There's going to come a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You can join in that confession today. Father, I ask that You would touch our hearts and lives. I pray that, Lord, You would turn us from good intentions to good decisions, to good choices. Today, Lord, I choose You. I choose You. As for me and my house, we choose You. 
Lord, I don't care what the media says. I choose you. I don't care what warnings say. I choose you. Lord, you're my help. You're my healing. You're my provision. You're my master. And Lord, if I, if I die today, I'm going to meet you. I choose you. I choose you. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we come this morning and we lay down our burdens. Lord, you've said that you'll take them. Father, when we choose to follow you, you take our heavy burden and replace it with yours. And you said that yours is light. Father, we lay down every burden that we came in with this morning, everything that we were holding on to, Lord, fear, anxiety, depression, illness, unforgiveness. Lord, every, our own way, the throne in our life that we still try to sit on, Father, we lay it down at your feet and say, you're our Lord and Savior, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Father, I pray every heart in this place is choosing to follow you today. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. 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 Well, before. We're so glad that you came. That was such a a good word from Pastor Darrell this morning. Before you go, we have just a couple of announcements that I would like to share. First of all, um, we've got a couple, but our heart is that we would connect with each and every one of you. Uh, We want to walk with you. uh, In in following Christ, uh, we're called to encourage one another and pray for one another and walk together. So these are some ways that you can connect with us. Uh, In October, we're actually going to have an in-person connect class if you want to learn more about New Covenant Church and uh, and connect with us and walk with us. Uh, that in-person class will be in October, and we'll give you more information on that as we get closer. You can also do those classes online at any time. Uh, just go on to our website uh, and do that. We also have life groups that kicked off just a few weeks ago. Those are just small groups uh, that meet. Uh, there's one that started last week, um, and just if you've been attending that, it's a, book, it's a class on Ephesians. It was meeting in our conference room. It's already outgrown the conference room so it's going to be meeting in the fellowship hall next week so if you've been attending that go to the fellowship hall if you would like to attend that next sunday 9 a.m in our fellowship hall uh, and then you can still come to this second service um, also our this marriage group it's a marriage group that meets uh, once a month uh, on what is that the second second Wednesday. Um, and so this it's uh, this Wednesday at 630 in our Common Grounds building, which is the house uh, just to the west of the church. Um, the theme, it's a potluck meal and, and, and they'll have a talk usually related to marriage. Um, but the theme is no main. So uh, bring your favorite appetizer, your favorite dessert and, and join them 630 this Wednesday. Uh, we'll have NCC Kids this Wednesday. We always uh, invite uh, your children to come to that. Uh, and a men's breakfast this coming Saturday, the 11th at 8 a.m., also in our fellowship hall. Uh, bring your sons, bring a friend, bring your grandkids. Uh, just join us at uh, Saturday, the 11th at 8 a.m. for that men's breakfast. And there will be no middle school or high school youth tonight. Enjoy your long weekend with your family. Um, 
And last but not least, next Sunday we'll have just a short update. Um, we, it's called our annual meeting, but it's basically just a short update on our last year. Uh, our fiscal year ends August 31st. So next Sunday we'll have a little update for you all of just what God did uh, in New Covenant over the past year. We're so thankful that you were here to worship with us. God bless you and have a great week. Thank you for listening to this week's message.